Okay. Thank you, Dave. Uh, my part is to just uh, help us to see more of Jesus in this passage. Um, it, any children watching at home and you like drawing, um, do a donkey with Jesus on it. Got to do that one at this time of year. And then people either happy or sad uh, when he comes near. Because that's the effect Jesus has on people. Even this day, he makes people really angry or really happy. It's an amazing thing. Um, I can't remember where I read this uh, this week, or whether even I did, because the clocks have messed me right up. But I'm pretty sure I read that 95% of children in the UK no longer go to church. Uh, did, it, did anybody else read that somewhere? Could you nod if you've seen it? Neil did. Oh, nice. It did exist. Um, that's tragic. Uh, 95%. And if you are not a Christian, not connected to a church, and listening in, I just hope that something about Palm Sunday is going to show why going to church and learning about Jesus is vital for you. And your life will be turned around. Don't be in that 95%. You're missing out. I just want to be in awe of the Lord and have a few lessons from the donkey in this passage that puts us all in our place, I think. Here's a question. In the new heavens and the new earth, when Jesus is going to remake the earth and combine it again with heaven, and we get our bodies back forever without backaches, um, arthritis, and all that stuff, and he remakes animals with their bodies, will there be a more honored donkey in the new heavens and the new earth than the one in this passage? I'll just give you a few seconds to scan your mind back through all the donkeys in the Bible. Is there a more famous one than this? You have a think about that. Well, you should have scanned back through about 50. I, I found 50 in my prep for this talk on donkeys. I even rang a minister in North Wales to see if he had found any I hadn't. We got about 50. Here are the famous donkeys that we learn a lot from in the Bible. In Genesis 22, some of you might have thought this one, when Abraham and Isaac go up to Mount Moriah, they go on a donkey. That donkey was part of the resurrection story. That's a good one. Possibly the other famous one, the most famous one, is in Numbers 22 with Balaam and his talking donkey. Did you think of that one? Some nods. That one actually sees Jesus and Balaam doesn't, and he has to sort of help the prophet along to get with the picture. And then there's one in Isaiah 1 who, who knows more about life than the whole church does at that point. And church gets a right telling off. Um, the donkeys put them in her place. And then there's this one. And we would all be remiss if we didn't put ourselves in the mindset of the donkey this morning. Greek philosophy, boo, says that the animals don't have spirits or souls. The Bible says something quite different. They, the Bible literally says they have the nefesh or the ruach or the pneuma that we have. And we can learn a lot from the way animals behave on earth and the way the Lord has designed them. You can't just dismiss them as these like pagan creatures. No. Psalm 104. Just let me read a couple of things. They're quite insightful. Listen to this. All creatures look to the Lord to give them their food. At the proper time. So I wonder if my dog Evie, when she stole five muffins last week, she actually thought that they came from the Lord. I don't know. When you give it to them, they gather up their food. When you open your hand, 
the animals are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their spirit and breath, they die and return to dust. When you send your spirit, capital S, they are created and you renew the face of the ground with them. All right, okay. Not to mention the whole animal culture when Jesus arrives in the Gospels. They're just trying to get in in all the famous Gospel stories, aren't they? You remember when the disciples need some money and a fish is like, and out comes a pound just to help Jesus and his disciples along. You've got to love that fish. They really seem to get who Jesus is. There are donkeys and oxes and all sorts muscling in trying to get near to Jesus. Birds trust the heavenly father according to Jesus. But this one, this one has one shot at greatness. To carry the Lord Jesus Christ, the divine son of God on his back. And all week I've been thinking what he might have been thinking. It's an interesting one. Carrying Jesus to his death. In Genesis chapter 9 verse 5, it says all animals are going to have to give an account of how they behaved on the great day. Like we all are. I wonder what this one's going to say. I was the one who carried Jesus. This donkey did a great job, carried Jesus along. No acts of subordination are noted anywhere about this gospel, uh, this donkey. No complaints. And therefore, that brings us to the humans in the passage. We've got one shot to worship the Lord God. This little time on planet Earth. That's what we've been made for, as Dave said, to respect and be in awe. And 95% of young people aren't even getting out of bed on Sundays to do that. And even in this Sunday, uh, in this passage, there are humans who just hate Jesus. One shot to do what we're designed to do. The donkey does it. The humans don't. The animals have got an awareness of God and respond. We have an awareness of God and often rebel and as ever, we're reminded that the human condition is in great peril as we're blind to the wonder of Jesus. One shot to love him and live in his world his way. And so often, we just botch it. We don't love him or each other as we should. And you can turn on the news even today for prime examples of that. The children see it in the playroom, uh, uh, the playground, and the adults see it in the staff room. We're just blind to doing things Jesus' way. Unlike him, that donkey up there, that's an artist's recreation of what that donkey might have felt like when he was carrying Jesus. Not long after Palm Sunday, all of Jesus' human friends unfollowed him. If he was on uh, social media, his following count would have dropped to zero on Facebook and Twitter because of the shame of having anything to do with him. But up steps this donkey. He proudly aligns himself with the living God. We don't really do that. There's lessons here for us on Palm Sunday. This sin we have, it's literally a killer. It takes us to death. It takes us from seeing the wonder of the Lord Jesus. It's a killer. Unless someone steps up and says, I've got to sort this out. 
unless someone says, I'll go to that place of death, go through it, come out the other side and share that life with people. Someone's got to do that because we're so blind. Donkeys are leading us and doing a better job than the human people. Someone needs to cause blind people to see. Someone needs to cause humans to flourish instead of hate. And today we worship Jesus. Welcome, all of you, non-Christian and Christian. He is that man. Here he is traveling towards that death instead of us. Anyone listening here, come to Jesus. Here he is traveling towards you on a donkey to greet you and say, I'll cause those scales to fall off. Death, I'll sort it. You'll live forever with me. I'll save you. Dave mentioned uh, the Welsh rugby uh, coach. Excuse me. Well, I've been looking at Air Force One and how the, pro uh, the president flies around. Here's some stats about how the bigwigs of today travel around. Did you know that it's almost impossible to shoot Air Force One down because they've got to protect the main man inside? There are 250 miles of electronic cables in that aeroplane just to keep it safe. Wow. Yeah, can you feel it? Now, it is impressive. Um, there's a medical room. It has an extensive pharmacy, loads of emergency room equipment, a fold-out table uh, to be operated on, a staff doctor on hand at all times. It costs £56,000 an hour to run. Um, and most of the classified parts you can we don't even know about. Now, for people running away from the Lord God, here he is running to you this morning, not in a secure jet. He's on a donkey, exposed at all angles to people who are going to hurt and harm him and who hate him. But he's still running towards everybody there and everybody today. Still going to go to that place of harm so that we never have to. Still going to save people who actually hate him. He dies for his enemies to save them. The prince of the universe on a donkey. We're reading Narnia in my family. It's not too long now until Aslan walks into the enemy camp and his enemies ravish him, tear him apart. And he could call for help, but he remains silent to go to that place of death so that other people will never have to. So here he comes, and instead of a huge coronation, there's a mixed response from humanity as he heads to receive not a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns, where he's going to be mocked and beaten by humans who just hate the thought that there might be a God who isn't them. I don't know if you ever cheated in Cardiff High or Lanishan High or whatever school you went to in exams, but I don't know if this ever happened with you, but if you had a mate who you liked and they sat next to you in exams, who hadn't worked hard, they would sometimes ask you for answers. Can you sneak me some answers in this exam? You don't have to admit if you ever slid some answers over. But one of my friends did the old roll-up yawn, drop the paperback, slide it down. Children, don't do that. That's cheating. 
But what was always interesting is that he would share answers, but they always wanted the paper back at the end so they could hand it in. What they would never allow even to happen with their closest school friends was, right, you give me your paper and I'll just put my name on your paper and you have mine with all the right answers and you put mine. You don't do that, do you? You want yours back. You might do a little bit of a nice thing, but you're not going to go all the way and swap accounts. Here is the Prince of Life, Jesus, full of everlasting life, about to swap accounts with people of death, with people of sin and decay. And our record goes on his. And his, in the next couple of weeks after this story, well, the next few days actually, his account comes on sinners. Saved, secure, forever, full of the life of God. Do not dehumanize, dehumanize sorry, the agony of this swapping and that we will never have to face. In Luke 13 and 18, it says, He will be delivered up. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. He had a nature like yours. He would have shrunk back naturally from pain like we do. But here he is riding in to death. He would have enjoyed desires to be an old man when he died. Full of church life and eating meals with friends and kicking the ball with children. And be esteemed in the community. He had a mother and brothers and sisters. A special place to go and relax and worship and pray. So to turn his back on that. To go to this place on this donkey. That's no small thing. That's hard. It's interesting that people thought he was 50 when he was 30. I think that's probably the burdens of life aging him. Burdens that he's carrying for us and with us. And I just want to close by looking at the two groups of people in this crowd. He meets two groups of people. Both sinners. We're all sinners. There's one group of sinners that get justice and he kicks them out. Get out of my church. And there's another group of sinners who get grace and who he welcomes and who welcome him. The graceless ones who get kicked out are the nasty church leaders. And it says this about him. When they saw him and the good works he did, they were indignant. We hate him. And elsewhere it says they just love money more than him. And he kept getting in the way of that. Children actually condemn those leaders in this passage and quote Psalm 118, which Richard actually read in the worship. The stone that uh, the builders rejected. He is the chief cornerstone of church and the very church people who should be welcoming him. Kick him out. Reject him. And so he rejects them. But who benefits as we close? It's the group uh, chanting Zechariah 9 as he walks past. It's the children, the weak, the blind, the needy, the donkeys. They get this moment. The Messiah is here. Here is Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, 
I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the 95% people watching who don't love Jesus and church. There's no peace outside of this man riding in on a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. He will rule from sea to sea, including Cardiff, from the rivers to the ends of the earth. And they cry out, Hosanna. Save Hosanna. So the people who know their weakness, the blind, the sinful, the outsiders, the lowly, the broken, here he is coming for us. On this day we say thank you Lord for coming for us. For taking on our debt so that we can get your life. And I think that donkey knew that. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. All praise to Jesus. Amen. We're going to close by singing uh, My Lighthouse. Led by Ben Ricketts on the screen. Thank you. <laughs>